the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, invested, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. My goal is not to get you rich. It's not to get you greedy. It's not to get you more than your neighbor. It's to get you to retirement. My goal is to keep you involved in the markets, positive or negative. My goal is to get you enough so that you can have a great retirement. What do I define as a great retirement? Well, the love of my life, her grandfather did a really, really cool thing. When the grandkids would come to visit the farm in Anaheim, he'd have two $5 bills, one on the left hand, one on the right hand. So whichever hand the kid picked, he won or she won. Ooh, did I just tell something about my sexuality? <laughs> um, or how about big candy bars? Pick a, pick a hand. I don't believe in fun size anything. I believe in being a, the greatest grandfather ever because kids are stressed and they're going to be more and more stressed as life moves on. School gets harder. Uh, anxiety hits. You see the news every day. It's pretty rough. So I want to get you to become a great grandparent. I know that sounds like what a goal. It's a lot, but it is what it is. Um, how do we do that? There is a lot of things that you have to look at to get to retirement. You got to have an education, college costs. Then you have to have a career from age 20 to 60. Then you have to maybe find a mate. One of the Hollywood starlets just got um, engaged and she said something kind of fun. She goes, I remember when I was 20, I never thought I was going to, I never wanted to get married. I never wanted to have kids. And now she's like 35. She's like, I want to get married and I want to have kids. It happens. It's progression. So you can't live in your hippy dippy days in your 20s where you live with four roommates in an apartment and uh, free love on the couch. Those days change. They're good to have in your 20s for sure. But 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s are going to be a different march. And then 60 to 100, I want you to be a great grandparent, if possible, if that's your goal. And again, uh, I know some people don't want kids, so it makes it all the more easier for retirement. Retirement for me would be a million dollars. That would make $40,000 a year. When you add in a spouse, I'd say anywhere between 2 million and 4 million. When you add in the children and the extra costs, 2 to 4 million is my goal. 
to get you to retirement. If I do that, you're going to have some sort of retirement. If I do better than that, you're going to have a great retirement. If I do worse than that, I blow it. So what are you going to do? You're going to invest. You're going to have insurance issues. You're going to have career. Um, you're going to have health care issues, all financial issues. The one I want to talk about right now, real estate. Let's bring in Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. You are my lender. And I'll say this. I've done great as an investor. I've done great as a small business owner. But one area that I needed help on, and I still do, is, is the mortgages and the housing. Um, it's part of my formula, but it's not an area that I'm great at. Yeah, it's, a, um, it's something that is still, you know, as we come out of the Great Recession, uh, a lot of people still have um, some doubts about how the mortgage business works and how real estate works. And uh, they don't trust ev- quite everyone yet. Um, but yeah, there's still some mystery to the mortgage process and to getting a, a mortgage. But I think ultimately everybody came out a little bit wiser. I think you did. Oh, for sure. And, uh, you know, going back, the, the whole mortgage process has been around for a long time. So I should know it better, but it's not taught in school. <laughs> you, you would think that. And, and a lot, it, I, I think it's through the Great Recession and everything that happened with the mortgage meltdown threw a lot of people off. They thought they knew how everything worked. They thought they knew how real estate worked. And now it's coming back and, and we're seeing a lot more investors really, uh, and, and that's both sides, just as investment properties or your primary residence uh, in, in even commercial, just really trying to figure it out. And I think we, it's, we're really back to a good phase. The modern mortgage has been around since the 1930s, but the idea has been around longer. The word mortgage has two Latin words in it, mort, which means death, gauge, which means pledge. So it's a dead pledge. Don't let that scare you. Mortgages don't have to be scary and evil. Yes, your great-great-grandfather might have lost the farm, but that wasn't a mortgage. It refers to the idea that the pledge died once the loan was repaid. And also the idea of the property was dead if the loan wasn't repaid. Mortgages are mentioned in English common law that goes all the way back to 1190. There had to be some person with a crown on his head who thought that was a good idea to give the serfs land. And how do we eventually do this? Um, Tied towards debtors, tied towards poverty. I would say mortgages have helped people come out of poverty. Let's start right there with that concept. Um, When I came out of college, I had nothothing. I I was bright eyed. I wasn't bushy tailed, but I was bright eyed. I guess I had curly hair then. I mean, it was back in the uh, here for the United States in the 30s and 40s when FHA came out and said, we want to be your affordable housing lender. Uh, there was an initiative to help people come out of the recession and um, buy houses, uh, come out of the war and buy houses here in America. And uh, FHA has been around since then. And then, uh, you know, the, the mortgage industry and the finance industry has made it easier and easier every year to buy houses and uh, extend that mortgage out. It's no longer a mortgage until you die. Most people keep their mortgages about seven to eight years, but it's it's available. Everyone has them now. The very first mortgage, not the very first, but some of the earlier mortgage products you had to put down in the early 1900s, 50% down mm-hmm. and you had a five-year amortization period. <laughs> now, I just want your comments on that and then I'm going to add some comments on top of it. <laughs> Um, 50% you, down, start there. Yeah, 50% down. And, and it's, it's funny that there are lenders that actually do that today. You don't have to have any income. You can put 50% down on a property and have okay. zero income and be able to afford, uh, not afford, but, uh, Secure. qualify for that loan. But, you know, you, you're looking at VA now, the VA just, they're going to change their rules to accommodate veterans and active, um, service members to a hundred percent of unlimited mortgage amounts. 0% down to buy a house. So, yeah, it's changed quite a bit. So, five-year amortization. I know. <laughs> Could you imagine? I got four more years, 48 more months on my mortgage. 
it seems silly compared yeah, to the 360 I sign up for. Million dollar, a million dollar loan, your payment's got to be what? Uh, $250,000 a year, right? Yeah. Maybe mortgages weren't meant for the <laughs> average person when they first came out. Like most financial products are stocks. You know, commissions were $400, $500 per transaction. Um, but what I wanted to add to that is the auto industry. This is the same thing. Um, my dad, the idea of going to a four-year loan on a car revolted my father. Um, and now we're at six years starting, maybe seven years, some people. Um, and some just, you know, take on the loan and they know they're going to trade it in five years and eat, eat the loss, so to speak. So um, debt's getting bigger. Thus, it gets a little bit more complicated. Thus, you need to know a little bit more about it. Thus, you should work with someone you trust. Yeah, and it, it's it's incredibly important to manage that debt. Um, I, I think that when you and I were growing up, it, it really wasn't a big topic. Uh, now it is. Um, people can get credit cards a lot easier, and they can run up that debt. Uh, student loan is is kind of um, instilled in their personality early on in life. Um, I got this debt. I got to worry about when I get a job. It's uh, we didn't worry about it as much. Our parents kind of carried us a little bit more. They, you know, I think I got a secured credit card maybe when I was my early 20s. And I think I bought a car soon after that. And I think that's why I got the secured credit cards. We didn't learn as much. People are learning a lot faster about yeah. buying a house, getting financing and getting a credit card. Um, and, and the technology has really made it a lot easier as well. Um, you know, places that can monitor your credit, um, you know, on your phone or your 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 sure. credit card company or even your bank. Credit Karma, Credit Sesame. Yeah, all, all of these options. All of these, all of these parts of the finance industry that are now part of your life um, has made it a lot easier for you to understand it, but also to get it out of control. We still run into people who have, uh, you know, large amounts of debt that, uh, you know, they just don't know what to do with it. And it, and it inhibits their ability to continue, you know, f- like financing a home, financing a car, and it, and it, and it kind of stay in that category. FHA was created in 1934. It may be one of those single most important acts that the history of the United States has ever started. It's created a ton of wealth in the United States. It's created, it's pulled people out of poverty. It's a good thing. We're going to be talking about investing in real estate, buying your first home, millennials, retirees, and much, much more. You can find Tony at BayAreaLoanSource.com. You can find me at RobLexShow.com. We're making financial sense of your portfolio. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. So the FHA, a little little speaking with Rob, the FHA been around since 1934 and they help create standards and uh, down payment requirements. Different type of loans, 15, 30 years, amortization periods. Along came 1938 and Fannie Mae and FHA and Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Like It all starts to run together, and that's what I remember about my childhood. When I was learning about houses, Dad, like little eight-year-old Rob was like, Dad, how, wait, how much is this house we live in? Kind of thing. You'd hear Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, and like it's pretty intimidating. So the learning curve is pretty steep, but once you get it, you're good, in my opinion. I think these are tools. Um, you know, caveman came up with the wheel, right? Or something like that. <laughs> Maybe that's what I learned from that commercial. Really? really? Well, if the caveman invented the wheel, then they created Ford, right? Because they had tools. Okay, that was a jump. But like the 1980s saw the introduction of arms, adjustable rate mortgages, of which we weren't 
oh man, now we have a new product to learn. And it's kind of interesting because I feel more comfortable with 15 and 30 years for no other reason than I think arms are kind of new in a hybrid product that it seems like they're trying to get me into, a, they're trying to get me. And an adjustable rate mortgage, as I've slowly come to learn, isn't as bad as I thought. If I went back in time and the, all my properties except for the current one, if I did an adjustable rate mortgage in, I would have come out ahead because it would have been a lower cost. Uh, three, five, seven years is the intimidating part. Um, but I've never been in a home as long as I've been in my current home and I always sell them. So I'm always paying off my 30 year mortgage when I sell them um, until now thoughts, Mr. Mendez about that whole, like even arms are kind of like people. Do you run into people who are like nervous about them? Oh, absolutely. Okay. I and mean, the arm usage has dropped considerably back in pre mortgage meltdown, about 60% of new homes, but being not new homes, but homes being purchased were being purchased with an arm. That's down below 5% here in the Bay Area. So, uh, yeah, it's a lot of people that came out of the mortgage meltdown and just really leery about using these products. They just they feel like they don't understand them now when they are really simple, but they still like that 30 year fixed. And a lot of people go when you get rates that are where they are today, you start going, does it really make sense to get an arm? And unless your mortgage is pretty high and that just that little eighth or a quarter or half a point difference between the 30 year fixed and the arm makes that much of a difference in payment, then it starts being worth it and you start considering it. Um, But when it's all said and done, um, you know, going, you were talking about how going back even in the eighties, maybe earlier when you started learning about uh, mortgages and how it seemed like it was just incomprehensible today, even people that bought properties pre 2007, 2008, and then have are doing transactions today are seeing a big difference. They feel like another whole learning curve because of how easy it was to get mortgages and now how much harder it is to get mortgages. So we're still seeing people learning about the industry, but as we come out of it, 2010 to 2019 and 20, um, it's uh, people are figuring it out. There's a lot more education out there. There's a lot, uh, um, the mortgage meltdown did do one very important thing and and it eliminated, it, it removed a lot of the, riffraff in the mortgage industry the people who are left over the people who stuck to the wall so to speak have uh are are much more educated professional people in the business and i feel that wholeheartedly that we've gotten a lot better a lot better education a lot better um, training and and testing licensing all of that has made a big difference in our industry but at the same time media sometimes paints your industry my industry all industries is potentially evil Uh, sure people losing their we're not we're not that high on that evil list no, you know the two I products mean, the two products that I feel were the most evil or the two products that did a lot of damage. Three. Liar loans where you didn't have to state your income in the 2000s. Uh, interest only loans where people thought if I only pay the interest it's even smaller and I could refinance it in 2 years after it's gone up $200,000. Mm-hmm. And what's the other one? It's the Negam loan. Could have been the Negam loan, but it wasn't. But anyway, so those are two of my three. Um, let's talk about that like the bad oh, reverse mortgages. I think some they're very high cost, very high fees to do them, and I think some of the agents, lenders, put people in. Well, we we came out of an era where um, Trid really did change a lot what of is things. Trid? Trid is Truth and Lending Respite Integrated Disclosure Act, and it it changed a lot of the ways that we disclosed and were able to charge borrowers. Next time uh, I can't sleep, can I call you and you'll read the truth? Yeah, yeah. just read your 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 note or your uh, deed of trust. It's uh, it'll put you to sleep. But oh my, when it, my, my. thank you. Um, um, so it, uh, um, well, we were, we were talking about pre- bad products, bad and, products and, media and, and like scaring uh, people. Yeah. And you know, it's all about, again, all about education, but the, um, 
Trid changed a lot about the way that we do compensation. So lenders were literally walking in into offices and saying, this is the product that will make you, not the client, you the most amount of money. And and that was the NEGAM loan, the interest only, the stated incomes, the reverse mortgage. Rever- and, and all of this money was being paid in what they call the back end. The, the clients weren't seeing it. Now it all has to be disclosed. So that's a big change in the industry, which which is now all full disclosure. And, and it took a while for the industry to really, industry meaning on the mortgage side, the broker side, the lender side, to really adapt to that and figure out what really makes sense. So yeah, it, it, a lot of people who couldn't survive on doing one loan every three months, making $30,000 on a loan transaction, have left the business. Now it's, uh, you know, the real respectable people. So yeah, it has been a big change. One of the better things about that change, in my opinion, is um, I think we we ebb and flow. We have looser standards. We have tighter standards. We have looser products. Then we go, we're not going to offer those looser products and uh, or the requirements become too steep. So they don't get marketed anymore. But right now, I feel pretty good about the world of the mortgages because 2006, 2008 was such a bad time. The early 2000s was so good for mortgage companies that it created a hangover in 2006, 2008. And I feel like the last 10 years, very few people are getting loans that don't deserve them. You are very correct. Uh, so the next but, crisis, there won't be as much on fire. Right. And so I, I call that the we have a pretty solid ownership pool. We have people who have not only refinanced um, at lower interest rates that just don't want to give up, give them up. We have people who have a ton of equity in their properties. We've seen a great run, 10 years of an up market. Uh, we've also seen the tightest standards coming out of that mortgage meltdown that people had either refinanced or purchased under. So you won't have that snowball effect where, you go, you know, I just can't afford this house. I'm going to bail. I'm going to bail. People have too much equity in their houses now. They have too much skin in the game, as a lot of people say in our industry, uh, that they, they just won't, you, you won't see your neighbor, oh, yeah, that, that guy's fine. You just won't see block after block after block of homes going up for sale. That won't happen in places like the Bay Area and large metropolitan areas where it's incredibly desirable to live in and to own property. We aren't going backwards at this time. I, I don't feel like we're ever, I, I was talking to somebody yesterday, a friend of mine who said, um, I, I asked him, when are you going to buy property? He's like, oh, you know, I'm going to wait for the next crash. And I was like, mm. uh, you're, you're talking to the wrong person. I don't think there's going to be a crash. There might be a correction. It might. It's not going to be tied towards housing. Housing will be affected by it, but not like it was in the last time. Interesting stuff. Um, so right now, Tony, and we're going to move this forward. We've talked pretty good big picture. So let's get a little bit more bullet shot. Types of loans. Tell me if I'm incorrect. I see four right now that you're probably working with. Loans for new homes uh, for uh, first-time home buyers. Loans for refis, loans for second homes, and loans for investment properties. Is that about it, or is there? We don't have to get into home equity lines of credit and other loans, but are those your four primary customers? Um, for the most part, and you can throw in commercials, um, oh, yeah. small commercial, mixed that's use properties, okay. um, office uh, apartments, and but that's an investment. I got that. I think. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we'll talk about this and more. Stay with us. We're talking about one of the biggest financial decisions you'll make in your life, tied towards real estate lending borrowing money, taking on a crushing amount of debt in the real world, in the real estate world. It's just a monthly payment. It ain't that bad. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. You can find Tony Mendez at BayAreaLoanSource.com. Your comments and questions are always welcome. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. 
I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Today, I have Tony Mendez sitting in with me from BayerAirLoanSource.com. He's my friend. He's trusted to do a transaction with. One of the biggest mistakes I see individuals make is that they shop around for the best rate, not knowing that the person's not trusted, and there's going to be a little bit of a bait and switch and or a big kickback to them, and or it's not the best rate. So find a lender you work with and trust. Um, because I've done more, multiple mortgages, it's even better to work with someone and stay loyal to them because they have a lot of my data already. Um, quick question for Mike, the producer. Mike, the producer. I don't know if you know the answer. I don't know if you heard Tony and I talking during the commercial. But what do you think the median age of a U.S. home buyer is in the United States right now? It, uh, 35, I'm guessing. 35. The beautiful and talented Mike Matthews. Yes. Can I give myself a sound effect? You should probably stay in production. Oh, where's my... <laughs> now, oh, if we were to go back to 1987, the median age was 35. But now it's 47 years old. Oh, that's a little staggering for me. Tony Mendez, com. Agree or disagree? That's a little bit of a surprise number. Seems a little high, but you know, it was put together by Deutsche Bank, and I, I enjoy looking at stats like this because it's you know when you, if you're in the industry, you want to target certain people, of course, uh, uh, as far as advertising. But the um, yeah, when it's when it's all said and done, you know it's it it's it's all about affordability right now and the lack of inventory. So right, and it's a big spike if you look at it. It just goes and it's straight up from from coming out of the mortgage meltdown. That was a lot of people who who have money. Uh, right now, it's it's about people who have money and older people have money. They don't have a lot of debt they're carrying out of college. They don't have a lot, you know, marriage and they're not getting married right away and having kids and um, don't have tr- no trouble saving money. They've already done all that. Um, they're also selling houses and buying new houses. So they're carrying a lot of equity from one house to another. So I'm not surprised that the number's that high it, it, because that's really the category of people who are buying right now. It's what we see. Sounds about right. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. If anyone wants to call, you can find Tony Mendez at BayerLoanSource.com. Before break, we were talking about different types of loans. Loans for first-time homeowners, first homes or homes people live mm-hmm. in. Uh, loans for refis of that home. Uh, maybe college costs are coming up. Well, maybe you just want to take some equity out and buy another property. Something along those lines. Um, Consultable work for eyes or prefer to actually any kind of strategy like that. Uh, loans for second homes. Loans for investment properties. I have all of those. I've got four different types of loans, and you were talking about commercial, and I guess I have a commercial and Mixed loan. use, apartments, mixed and so on, yeah. Um, so I would say, I would imagine first-time home buyer or new home, uh, homes to live in. What's that called? What's Primary number? residence. Primary residence, thank you. Um, I can't imagine that's the number one thing feeding you right now as far as your business. I have to imagine it's refis, maybe second homes, maybe investment properties, or is it is it primary residence? It's it's pretty it's really a mix of everything. I mean, we've been around okay. for a long time. The brokerage I work with is you know twenty five years, and I've been in financing for nineteen years. Been in the Bay Area fifteen years plus. Uh, so you you really get a mix of, of a lot. Um, you know, residential financing is really kind of sums all of that up. It's residential financing when it comes to investment properties, primary residence, up to four units, and it you know when rates go up and down like they have. Yeah. You're going to see, you know, people refinancing, you know, and some people may have had bad credit when they bought or refinanced the last time or they are in an FHA loan or they put 10% down and they have mortgage insurance and they see these low interest rates and they come back and refi. So refinance activity has 
really been kind of the backbone of pretty much every brokerage out there, I believe, because it is the return business. Um, on the purchases, it's it's all about what's what's happening. You know, this time of the year, it's a little slower. Um, there's not a lot of inventory, so and that's kind of been the theme for the last couple of years. So refi- purchases have slowed down, but when you're an active broker and and active in this industry with many, many repeat clients, you're going to run into a lot of good purchases and there's plenty of products out there. And that's the benefit of, uh, not the benefit, but the, uh, the kind of the result of the way the, the business has been running where a lot of lenders have said, you know what, we need to capture more and more business. This is capitalism. We, we need to open up some products. So we were talking about how hard it was to get loans early on, like 2012, 13, 14. That has eased up quite a bit where there are things called bank statement products. There's interest-only loans have come back. Um, uh, there's even the one-to-one ratio investment property where you don't even have to have income, but as long as the rents on the property exceed the mortgage payment and the taxes and insurance, you qualify automatically. I mean, there's a lot of these products that are coming out where, where uh, that are helping people in all of those categories. Now I'm what I would refer to as fairly affluent. I've got enough money to last me till the day I die. That's my definition of fluent, right? Um, I was once listening to you as you and I were driving a long drive. You were talking with a client who Fairly affluent. I don't want to get too particular, but as they were retiring, they're moving from Hillsborough, California to San Diego, California. And that's the baby. I'm going to call that the baby boomer move of not downsizing. But there is a downsizing baby boomer movement. And there's also a baby boomer movement where they're just standing in their homes till they die. They don't even want a retirement uh, community or retirement home. Yeah, I think Um, in the first few sentences we uh in our conversation they they said they wanted to cash out where they could yeah um they had a you know multi-million dollar house and they were they were afraid that they were going to run out of buyers and they and then they kind of felt it out a little bit and they waited about six months and then they probably got a couple hundred thousand dollars more because they did and they they finally listed the property and sold it and moved down to san diego and it was it was what we we see a lot from people who have captured a lot of equity and and are at the retirement point and uh, don't want to retire here i'm meaning this with no disrespect but that was a long complicated process for you because it was delayed six months and it was a second property they wanted to get a mortgage on before they sold the current house that had a mortgage on it so there was a lot of juggling and the one thing here's where i want to like toot your horn without tooting your horn um the person you were dealing with that i was hearing the conversation because uh it was in my car she felt like an alpha Bay Area person. And I'm not saying that with any disrespect, but she knows her stuff. She knows her spreadsheet. She's got a better college degree than you and me. Like she knows her stuff. And she was impressed with you because there was a lot of juggling and y'all were talking in the same language. And I, I sat back and I was like, good for you. Cause um, you, well, had, I, you, had also figure, like- you had to figure out like how you can list that f- mortgage down in San Diego and, you know, and keep all the your people happy, the banks and the brokers that you borrow the money from. Yeah, and I think that's that's really the hardest part about, um, especially when you have that kind of scenario. Uh, and it could be you could be just an investor with several properties, or somebody who's got one property but you're self-employed. Where you would need to know about the guidelines. I remember several years ago, many years ago, when I was first in the business, I was look look across the hall and I see a guy. He's just constantly with his face in the computer. And I'm like, what are you doing? You're not on the calls. You're not meeting people. He's like, I'm reading guidelines. I'm like, who reads guidelines? Oh, who needs guidelines? That's what it is today. You need to know the guidelines behind all of these loans, because especially if it's a jumbo loan, which in this case it was for this this client, that 
you you may have a credit score that's 680 and it may be a first time home buyer you may have 20% down and all of a sudden you don't qualify for that product you have to go to this product or you have to go to a different lender or investor and these things um, make a big difference when you, you especially on a purchase that you can't get it halfway through a transaction go um, you know uh, Mr. And Mrs. Client I have to switch lenders and we're going to need all this other kind of stuff oh by the rate way your rate's going to be a half point higher because we had to switch products I mean this is it's, it does get into conversations like that. But going back to how um, educated she is about uh, the the mortgage business, it it does come. I think that is a result of what we saw out of the mortgage meltdown. People are coming out with a lot better knowledge of how things work and what what to expect. And it's interesting that you say that someone learned from the mortgage meltdown. What I learned from the mortgage meltdown is a little bit different because I work in TV. I saw a lot of lawyers jump in on the bandwagon of people getting foreclosed and promising you foreclosure delays, promising you, uh, uh, you know, changing of your mortgage. Don't make your payment so you can get into a short sale or foreclosure or yeah. modification. They were yeah, throwing money hand over fist at TV so that they could market to the people who bought homes incorrectly. But every, here, here's the kick. The number of complaints I got is probably the career thing that I did that's the worst. I didn't really vet the process that these lawyers weren't going to actually call them, but they'd say, call me, give us $4,000 down and we'll, we'll take care of it. There was, there was a time when they, they were and taking money in advance. Yeah. Um, and then that, that got changed where they had to do, perform the service first before they were paid. So it was a crazy time back coming Mortgage out of modifications. this. modifications. Yeah. You remember that? Mm-hmm. They were the lenders were basically telling you as the, the, the owner to not make your payments so that you would qualify for a, uh, uh, modification. Now the guidelines say that if you went into the modification and you didn't make payments, you don't qualify. Yeah. And that's the same lender. The same lender that told you not to make payments are now telling you that because you didn't make payments, you don't qualify because you had a loan modification or, or you have to wait seven years kind of thing. So it's, it was, um, I don't know what to say. It was tough. Every other call that we were getting is like, how do I get out of this? How do what do I, I want a modification or I want, how do I do a short sale? How do I do this? And I'm not surprised that every other lawyer was jumping on that bandwagon. It's Tony Mendez with BarryAloneSource.com. I'm Rob Black. You can find me at NewFocusFinancial.com. A mortgage is a very powerful tool, usually used for good, but it can mess you up too. Let's talk about the type of borrowers out there. I see maybe four types. I'm sure there's more. Millennial couples. Millennials who are buying a house as a group with friends, or they're buying a house and they're renting to their friends. Uh, Generation X families are buying homes right now. And boomers with retirement homes. Are, are there any other buyers out there that I'm missing? Mm, uh, well, you have the single borrower. Yeah. You have the, um, you know, we see a lot of families, like you've, you mentioned, there's a lot of families that buy. We're doing one right now where three, uh, two sisters and a brother are buying a property in San Jose. And I, I love it. I love the fact that and they wanted to be in their community, a little bit more culture from where they live now. Yeah. And, uh, and it's a great stopping point. We see a, there's so many different kind of borrowers. One of the things that I was taught in, early in the business was there's seven type of borrowers. And I, that guy was so wrong. There are so many more. With that said, you can find Tony Mendez at BayAreaLoanSource.com. Every lead is different. Every client is different. Every scenario is different. You can find him at BayAreaLoanSource.com. He'll help you get a loan. I'm Rob Black. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. 
Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investor more. Sitting with me today, Tony Mendez, BayAreLoanSource.com. Good morning. Um, you've known me a long time. You've known me since I bought my first car out of college. And when I did that, I remember, like, it was stressful to sign the paperwork. It was one thing to, like, you're out of college, you're stretching your legs, you're no longer buying from a buddy, you know, it's $400 piece of crap car. And, uh... <laughs> You go in and you you meet a financing person and they print all that paperwork. And I remember just like not feeling, I don't want to use the the phrase feeling raped because that's cliche and it's wrong and I don't know what it is, but I feel like I was stressed. And when the same feeling came back to me the first time I ever did a mortgage, Um, I started a company. So my finances were a mess. And the first home that I bought, I had to get a partner co-sign with me my dad wouldn't do it uh I'm trying to think if my dad was even alive then probably not he, he wasn't so i had a partner do it with me a business partner a guy who was 30 years older than me not a smart thing to do to trust a kid to pay his monthly mortgage payment because he would have been on the line for his payments if i if i flaked on but i didn't but uh do you remember the stress of the first time you bought a car or a house and do you still see that today from people i do um and i I can imagine that uh, since I mean I do, I do mortgage transactions all the time and I've bought several homes, so it's not as intimidating. But for somebody who, who's buying a house for the first time and looking at the paperwork, it's got to be uh, crazy. I remember the first transaction I did. I got about halfway through the paperwork and I was in a lawyer state where you don't sit down a title, you sit in front of a, an attorney. And I asked the guy, I said, "If I don't sign these, do I get the house?" And he said, "No." So I. I stopped right there and i just went boom 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 and i instead of reading everybody i just signed everything um i mean ultimately i i got the house and it was the right thing to do but people still sit and, and read every single paper and and you know their signing takes two two and a half hours instead of 30 minutes if they just sign but yeah it's a learning curve when you it, it is it is a shock the first time that you sit down and see the paperwork but once you do it you you kind of understand uh, what has gotten easier is the you know, if you're doing a standard transaction, you know, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, FHA, the documentation has gotten a lot less. Um, the, the lenders have the ability to access um, your employment, tax returns, and things like that. So a lot of times they're asking for those only if you have, like, rental properties or if, you, if you're self-employed so you can see your not just your gross, but your net. I mean, that's really, you don't get W-2, so that's their only way to show income. So there are some circumstances where you do have to provide more documentation, but it's gotten a lot easier in that way. I always tell people that the hardest part about a transaction is going to be the beginning and the end. The middle, not so much. But the, the, the beginning really sets up the end. So let's work real hard in the beginning, uh, get that through, and then the end will be a lot easier. Uh, so how does Rocket Mortgage do it? Because that stack of paperwork that takes an attorney to go through with you or a title company to go through, it's – and then they give you a nice copy of it. And, you you know, it's, it's, it's beautiful. It's a wonderful process. But it's intimidating. How does a Rocket Mortgage where it's an app? It's one click. You're, you're, you're still done. you're still just applying. That's that's all it is. Okay. Um, so they're just running a credit. I have check. the ability to throw on my website what they call a 1003 or application, and I don't because I like to talk to people. And that's where I think Rocket Mortgage just goes, hey, it's really easy. But you still have to the back end of it. They still have to go through it and make sure this person qualifies and run their credit, work their income, work their debt ratios and everything um, where when I get somebody on the phone, I actually talk to them and I get it done all at once. I do, I do over the phone or in person applications because that's, 
that is you get to know the people yeah. um, and that's where rocket mortgage it's all about advertising and, say, and saying it's easy well it's I, easy I, to apply it's still hard to get the loan when i was a young man i had a great brother great big brother david and he said um never buy pizza from little caesars because it's owned by the guy no no from domino's it's own who, who owns the detroit tigers it was Tom, no, it was Tom Monahan that owned it. Okay, so anytime you bought a Domino's pizza, you were basically supporting the Detroit Tigers, and I was a New York Yankees fan. <laughs> so my advice to people on Rocket Mortgage is don't use it in the state of California, like the Golden State Warriors or the Lakers, because Dan Cavaliers, Gilbert yeah. owns Quicken, which owns the Cleveland Cavaliers, which owns Quicken Mortgage. So how's that for an endorsement? <laughs> Should don't buy pizza. Maybe. By local. That's my opinion. Okay. I think local pizza is fantastic. I love Domino's pizza, but local pizza just, I mean, that was the best thing about California is I came, the food here is so much better. The sourcing of food is so oh, much better. Just everything about the food here is so much better. I went back to the East Coast recently and I won't get into it too much, but a lot of strip mall food and a lot of average, average food. Um, the high end's not very high and the low end is not very low. Um, so you don't get a lot of soul food. You don't get a lot of like good eats for five bucks. Yeah. You get a lot of like steaks for 12 bucks and it's not a good steak <laughs> not. at 12 bucks. Um, with that being said, theoretically, you said the beginning and the end are the toughest parts. I think theoretically deciding like when you should jump into the pool of mortgages or when you should jump in the pool of debt or into housing is, is pretty intimidating because like rent until you settle down. That's one theory. Rent here and buy in another place so you can be in the game. But then you get into property management issues. Like, well, I think that's where the mortgage industry has really stepped up, and um, and places like Rocket Mortgage, where they say, you know, let let us make it easy for you. And again, this is industry wide. And Rocket Mortgage isn't the only company that makes it easy. There, there's um, brokers have several lenders, and, and we use them as well, uh, that have a lot of e- you know easy um, electronic tr- uh, documentation and, and signatures and everything until you get to the end, of course. And again, that's a whole dis- another story about virtual signing. But the um, the industry, when you make that part easy, it does make the decision to get into real estate a little bit easier. And that really is the ultimate choice or the, the hardest choice about um, this investment is whether or not you should do it. Um, and we do walk people through that. Um, a lot of people do walk backwards and they have to figure out their financing first before they make the decision. So that's where it has become a lot easier for us to accommodate the borrowers. borrowers. Thanks very much. How would you plug yourself if you could plug yourself with 30 seconds? Um, BayAreaLoanSource.com is our website. We do a show on Thursday nights on the same station. It's called The Real Estate Report. Uh, We've been in business for many years. We are local to the Bay Area, and uh, we're here to help you. Sounds good. You can find Tony Mendez at BayAreaLoanSource.com. You can find me and CFP Chad Burton at NewFocusFinancial.com. We all work together. We kind of intermingle at times, and you can find uh, Tony at any seminar that we do. You can find out about seminars by going to NewFocusFinancial.com. You can always use code RADIO25 to get in for free. And again, uh, support local. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Find him at BayAreaLoanSource.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.